This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Merritt Stiles is the NDP's education critic, and she has joined the Oakley Show this afternoon to give us her perspective. Merritt, always a pleasure. Good afternoon. Hi, it's great to be here again. So tell me, Merritt, uh, what do you make of uh, Minister Lecce's offer of financial assistance to parents facing increased costs? Well, i got to tell you, I was, I was a bit surprised that the minister didn't come in uh, and actually address how we get our kids to stay in school. <laughs> how do we keep our kids in classrooms? And I, I wish he'd spent as much time uh, thinking about how he was going to you know, reverse some of these cuts and get us back to the table and keep our kids in classrooms rather than coming up with this scheme. Well, I guess, you know, uh, one might say, okay, uh, depending on how you perceive this from where you stand, he can say, uh, well, if, you know, the unions would just put some water in their wine uh, and uh, that would keep the kids in school, never mind these rotating strikes or job actions, that would maintain the schooling for the children. I mean, you can see it either way, I suppose, and uh, that would be his response. And what would you say to that? The unions, he said, are intransigent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that what we've heard, and we've heard even from mediators, you know, is that this government hasn't budged in terms of these cuts. Look, what parents, and I'm hearing from, you know, a lot of Ontarians, students, parents, what we've seen already in our classrooms, and the idea that that's only going to get worse with this government's plan for for cuts is, is, is not something that Ontarians want to see happen. I think that's pretty much across the board. So, so what this would... Ontarians, I think, right now are standing pretty solidly with the education workers. The government might be trying to influence that in some way, but I think what people want to see is they want to see their kids in classrooms, they want to see them with smaller class sizes, they want to see them with the courses that they had before, not the ones that have been cut, and they want to make sure that, you know, full-day kindergarten stays in place, for example. Well, all right, but I can offer that there are several people who have called this program already before you got here saying, you know, the government should stand firm. The teachers uh, are always the ones who are rocking the boat, and they're creating this problem all too frequently. Like uh, these strike things or uh, job actions and disruptions happen, you know, every other year, it seems, or every three years when the contracts lapse. Uh, people are growing fed up with it. Do you think maybe the unions are overplaying their hand? I think that... Uh, you know, while I can see how some people have felt that way, I, I got to tell you that I think in this case, we are dealing with a really different scene. Um, what we're experiencing already and the chaos that we experienced in a lot of the classrooms in September is just a taste of what's coming. And, and that's, I think, what's really gotten under the, under the skin of a lot of Ontario families um, who are looking at, you know, whose kids are in school now or who are looking at their kids coming into the school system. You know, we we may, you know, people may have lots of different opinions about budget issues and choices, but they don't want to see our kids bear the cost. And that's what's happening right now. And so I think that what makes this strike and these work actions a little different is that people really are unhappy with the direction the government's taking in their cuts. And what the unions have said uh, from day one, and, and what we've been saying too, actually, is, you know, just reverse those cuts, come back to the table and have a conversation. That's where we need to be right now. 
Again, I'd offer as a counterpoint, uh, again, only because I'm hearing it uh, quite often, uh, a lot of parents are put off by the quality of education or lack thereof, and they put that on the teacher. So, I mean, how is that on the government? Well, that's only going to get worse. I mean, there's no way that education improves with larger class sizes. And there's no way that education improves when kids have fewer choices. Well, how do you or know, though, empirically? Is there data to support what you're saying here now? If it's uh, 25 rather than 28 or 22, is there a perceptible change in the quality of outcomes? Yeah, so the, the, when you talk about class size averages, uh, it's not going to be 25. It's going to be more like it's already at 38, 40 in a lot of our, our core courses right now. On average, so, though, I mean, yeah. this... Yeah, so that's true, and you keep and the some classes have sixteen, though, Merritt. Some classes have sixteen. You have you know specific classes where you need to have keep those numbers low because you have kids with learning issues, or you have like uh, labs or something where you have to keep the numbers uh, small. And so that's exactly right. That's what happens. You have in order to keep those smaller classes, you end up seeing huge increases in in core courses, and that is a problem. That means that, uh, and what I hear from students, and what I also hear from teachers, frankly, is that it's the kids. You know, when they get into those big class sizes it's the kids who are struggling and we know that we have a lot of kids struggling in our school system with anxiety with learning issues and how do you connect with that kid when you're talking about 38 40 kids in a class it becomes increasingly difficult and it's those kids that are going to slip through the cracks and we know it and we've seen it through studies and research around the world smaller class sizes have better outcomes for students so you can verify that with empirical evidence that uh you know even a class size average if it shifts by a couple three students i mean in the primary grades we're only talking of like what an average of a half a student increase? Yeah, I mean, I think it, the biggest increase so far is going to be definitely in the high school years, and that's what we've seen so far, and it's going to get worse every year. The, what we saw this fall, this past fall, was just the beginning. It's going to get worse. So we have classrooms now where we, and I've heard many reports across the province of classrooms where like they're having trouble fitting enough desks in the room. This is, this is, uh, this is not sustainable, and it's only going to get worse. And look, I mean, you know, I, I tell you also, it breaks my heart when I see kids losing some of the courses that they care about because, look, we want to keep kids in school. We want to keep them in school. We want to keep them engaged. And when you're in the high school years in particular, you know, you need, like, maybe just that one course that, that you love, that one teacher who means something, who inspires you. That's what keeps you in school, and it keeps you dropping out. And we know if we can keep kids in school, if we can graduate more students, if we can have better learning outcomes, it's good for the economy. It's good for our health later on in life. So, you know, this is really critical. It's like it's going to affect all of us if our education suffers. Well, I guess, but uh, you you mentioned sustainability, and uh, I just wonder in that model, uh, what is in fact practical to sustain? Every school would like a 50-piece marching band or a drama class, but I mean, how practical is that? Don't you consider that there have to be some lines drawn here and... uh, it's, you know, for the unions to negotiate as much that uh, as for the government to somehow fulfill the, the requirements, the demands of the union. I mean, don't the unions have to put some water in their wine, too? You know, I think, um, again, I, I think the big issue for, for, for what, what unions are saying, and I think also, to be fair, what a lot of the, us are concerned about and, and as families, is, again, is like the quality of that educa- education system. And we don't have a ton of frills. Right? We want to improve education, not see it reverse. Like we could do better. You know, it wasn't all it wasn't it wasn't rainbows and unicorns under the liberals either. They actually made, you know, some some big missteps in education. Like we couldn't do better than this. But what we have to realize is that a big part of education 
is, is having um, the supports that students need, right, especially those students who are struggling. And we've seen a reduction in, in social workers and guidance counselors and school psychologists. These are not frills. These are necessities these days, right? Yeah, and how's that impacting outcomes? I mean, are we all better served? By the way, when you said that, I'm gobsmacked that the Liberals uh, actually fell short as well. They more than doubled the budget. They increased teachers in a province by 14,000, even though enrollment had dropped by over 100,000. So, I mean, where are we going with this? Well, I mean, again, it's like, I guess it's like differences of, I think, that the, you can throw a lot of, it's true, you can throw a lot of Band-Aids on a problem, and maybe that's what they did. Uh, we should be rethinking a little bit about how we, how we fund education, certainly. Like, we should be thinking about that, and there's a lot that could be done better. Well, could we but find efficiencies cutting, in the system? Cutting, I, I, I would say that we have a pretty lean system, but what we need to do is we need to think about um, funding our, our students based on need, and not just the number of bums in seats. And that's kind of basically where things have ended up right now. And we need to, we need to change that. But in the meantime, um, the idea that uh, we are going to have fewer caring adults in our schools, fewer professionals, like that is, that is a big part of the school system, right, is the actual pieces. And if the government wants to replace, you know, that kind of face-to-face learning with mandatory um, e-learning, um, I'm, I think there's, there's no research that shows that that's going to have successful outcomes. In fact, kids have a very high growth Well, by the same token, now. though, Merritt, by the same token, do we know it won't? I had a caller call in uh, a few moments ago. He says, you know, uh, he was gearing up to teach his own kid math. He went online, and on YouTube, you've got PhDs who are communicators, and uh, they're helping math studies uh, facilitate math studies. He was uh, overly impressed, and he thinks that's a better option than maybe having some stiff teacher, and, and he didn't use that word. I did <laughs> you know, in the classroom, actually uh, teaching math. He was bullish on that. So uh, he's not decrying the, uh, and by the way, it's gone down from four mandatory classes or courses being taught before you uh, graduate high school to two. So that's, again, the government has watered things down. Let me ask you finally, though, Merritt, I know we've talked about this in the past. So the teachers are standing firm on this point of 2% increase in compensation. Why don't they forgo that if they're that interested in the kids and the quality of the education and have those resources reallocated back into the classroom? Then that would say uh, that they're sincere in their uh, first priority being the quality of education and the welfare of kids. Yeah, I mean, I'm not at the bargaining table, but what I've heard them say over and over again is that they would like to see the government um, take the first step, reverse the cuts, and then let's go. They'll, they're willing to talk about compensation that way. So I think the door is open to those conversations. They're going to make those decisions, not me. But, uh, but I certainly think that, um, you know, at the end of the day, the, the real sticking point, and I'll tell you, the reason why so many people are backing the teachers right now and why the government, I think, is, is losing a lot, of, uh, a lot of support here is because 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 it's about cuts to our classrooms and and nobody wants to see that and so i think for a lot of people education workers are seen to be the folks who are fighting uh to to preserve um our our public education system all right well uh that's the perspective from the ndp's education critic Merritt styles always appreciate your time here on this show we'll talk soon thank you thanks for listening to the john oakley show podcast Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.